Welcome to the Tradies in Business podcast with your hosts, Warwick Bidwell and Nicole Cox. Divert your phone and grab a brew as Waz and Nick unpack tips, tales, secrets and stuff-ups from guests both inside and outside your trade. Helping educate and inspire you to break the cycle of gut-busting and money stress and create a true trade business. G'day, g'day. Welcome to the Tradies in Business podcast. You're listening to Woz with his podcast voice. <laughs> Do you like Nick, that? I'm sure I've got one, but I can't hear it. You, so, you're just, you go in and out of yours during episodes. Do I? Yes, and I try really hard not to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, I'm pleased you not. You know in those times when I turn my head away from the microphone? <laughs> often it's because I'm sniggering. <laughs> That's dreadful. It's like, I'm never going to be able to do this the same with podcast you. voice. Oh. Isn't that good? Yeah. Mm. Hey, uh, we're talking about old age today. Yeah, that doesn't sound like an attractive <laughs> conversation to me. Uh, but more specifically, we're talking about retirement planning. It's not mm. really sounding any more exciting, is it? I don't know. I can't wait to retire. That's pretty exciting. But that's the problem, isn't it? We all want to retire. Mm-hmm. Just that none of us have got much of an idea about how or when. I don't. And whether we're going to have any money. Well, I didn't know, but now I know a bit more. (laughs) So, we thought that we would partner up with Skylight Financial Services. Yes. I think is the name. You nailed it. Wow. Look at you go. I didn't even take any notes for that. Skylight (laughs) Financial Services, which is, uh, well, I don't know how to describe this. It's been constructed by... Correct. BusQ. That was well done. Now, if you don't know who BusQ is, I don't know which rock you've been living. Oh, oh no, that's unfair. Because for our southern listeners... Oh, but BusQ is Australia-wide. Well, they are. So you're still living but they, rock. But they did originate in Queensland. They did, but and I think sometimes we sometimes us southerners can be a little bit parochial when it comes to, you know, things north of the border. Well, maybe it's time that we all open our eyes and find what's right for us instead of thinking about what state we live in. And besides, those are a little ranty. We all we all live in Australia. So, Australia. You know, you should be you should be happy to use a company from Queensland. So uh, <laughs> so yeah, we we decided to do a couple of episodes around some of the big questions that we get asked in the Tradies in Business group, mm-hmm. or that we see being uh, shared around. Now, I shiver sometimes when I see some of the well-meaning but very misguided advice Mm. given in the group. Um, Love seeing people help each other, but it really highlighted for us, Coxie, the misinformation and misunderstanding that's out there around investment and retirement planning. Absolutely. And they sound like really big, scary terms, but this is stuff we should be thinking about right from when we get a full-time job. Yeah. It's... pretty straightforward like there's a lot of stuff to consider but with the right advice it is actually pretty straightforward and you can come up with a really good plan Mm. and there's a lot of uh myths out there and we bust some of those today with our guest owen hume from skylight financial services well done all right so i've got a big bio here for owen and g'day owen i'm not going to read it Uh, (laughs) sorry i told him we would but i'm not going to read it but what i am going to say Owen's a good bloke. So he grew up in central Queensland um, on a beef station. So he's a country boy, which we love. We do. Um, He lived in Townsville, went to uni up there. Sadly, still barracks for the Cowboys. Yeah, but it's a Queensland team. Oh... What's wrong with that? Is, is Townsville still like considered Queensland? Oh, now you're getting nasty. You <laughs> just so, made an enemy of Owen. It's so far <laughs> north 
it's almost like not Queensland. Anyway, he's oh, he's a he's a cowboy supporter. Um, he's a dad. He's a husband. Um, and he's just a really good bloke. He's a top um, bloke. He's pretty passionate about what he does. Uh, he loves a chat and <laughs> and uh, he's very funny. I will as the technical um, as the unlucky one who's been anointed as the technical guru in this podcast. <laughs> I must apologise for the audio today. We had some issues with um, Owen's microphone cutting in and out a little bit due to the the echo and the way the room was set up. But uh, it's definitely worth a listen. Um, So just letting you know, for anybody who has trouble with that sort of stuff when you're listening to a podcast like me. um, Push through. Yeah, push through because he does bust a bunch of myths and pretty much lays out what you need to do if you're a trade business owner and you don't have a retirement plan in place, he pretty much lays out the steps you need to follow and the things you need to consider to make sure that you're okay mm. when you can't work anymore. Mm. Um, because, you know, as as he rightly pointed out, you know, being a tradie, it's pretty low chance that you're going to be able to work right through to your 70s like the government thinks everyone's going to do. There's a whole nother episode in that <laughs> statement alone. Speaking of rants. Yes. So, um, yeah, have a listen. Some awesome tips in here. Um, Owen's a good bloke. And uh, and stay tuned for our sort of follow-up episode on this one where we talk about something even more exciting, which is life insurance. <laughs> but, again, in all seriousness, um, scary number of people don't have this stuff sorted. Uh, and we really want to help you. Get what you deserve from your business. You know, if you're going to bust your backside so much in your trade business, wouldn't you want to make sure that you're taken care of when you can't work anymore, Mm -hmm. either because you've chosen to retire or because something untoward happens to you? So um, tune in to today's ep, peeps, and we'll, uh, I don't know, see you around like a wrist (laughs) When your legs are straight. (laughs) All right, so we're joined by Owen Hume from Skylight. is it Skylight Financial or just Skylight? Skylight Financial Solutions. Right. Gee, that's, uh, what we, that's a big mouthful. Skylight Financial Solutions. Um, yep. Basically, uh, Owen's joining us. Uh, Skylight's part of BusQ uh, or you yep. know, a division of BusQ, the, the super fund. And, um, absolutely. Owen, you're going to talk about how we can all retire in the next 12 months, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> We've got everybody's attention now. <laughs> <laughs> the, the miracle worker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> potentially. <laughs> well, mate, welcome to the show. Great, great to have Sorry you with us. That. Welcome to the show. Great to have you with us. Thank, thanks for having me. Pleasure, thanks mate. Thanks for having Pleasure. me. I'm a, I'm a podcast virgin, so please be gentle. Yeah. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. We've already made you move rooms uh, to reduce a bit of echo, mate. So uh, thanks for playing along with the technical side of things. Mate, uh, no how how did you come to be sitting in this chair as the uh, the retirement planning guru at Skylight? Uh, long story short, um, did uni, did economics at uni. Near the end of my degree, I decided I didn't want to be an economist and work in Canberra and do really dry stuff. I'm a people person. I know that's a cliche, but I love helping people um, and providing solutions. Um so started to apply jobs within the financial services space when I finished uni. I grew up in central Queensland originally on a cattle property, mm-hmm. uh, went to boarding school, then went to uni in Townsville, so pretty much a country boy at heart, mm-hmm. and uh, got my start at uh, one of the major institutions for years, 
then moved down to the southeast corner and just worked as a power planner for a few years as well, which is the people who put together the advice document for the advisor and then evolved into doing financial planning after that and um, worked in private practice and then moved over to the industry funds sphere and the advice various industry funds probably about 13 years ago after working in private practice. Um, really sort of enjoyed dealing with um, particularly sort of the blue collar kind of uh, clients because they're probably a little bit more down to earth um, and more practical. Mm. So when you explain financial concepts and so forth, I normally like to talk about tanks and, you know, your super funds, the hole on the top where you chuck money in and your, your retirement pensions, the tank or the tap. And so I sort of just, it was just a natural evolution, I suppose, where sort of I get to apply a bit of technical skill and apply uh, the soft skills of, of helping people. Yeah, cool. So, so long winded answer. No. You give long winded answers. No, yeah. all good, mate. It's it's funny. Uh, most people who uh, come on the podcast, even if they have done a few before, one of the biggest fears for podcast guests is waffling. And um, most yeah. most of the people on our show are pretty safe because I reckon I'm a pro waffler. Uh, <laughs> I ask very good some of it. the longest questions known to man. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Owen, you're pretty safe, mate. You're very safe. <laughs> no worries. I, I did hear you explaining um, the other day how you came to get a new watch, and that was like a 15-minute answer. Thank you. In the car, well, they have a press passport, but yeah. <laughs> so, uh, listeners, uh, Nicole is going to be uh, hosting today's episode with Owen. But you say that, and then you find it almost impossible to pull yourself away. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Now he's going to go blank. I'm the same. Don't worry about that. Yeah, company, I think. All right, well, let's get to the guts of where we need to be today because Warwick's going to be really difficult not to say anything now. So I'm, I, I'm, I'm just smack bang into the middle. We just jump right into it and let's talk about retirement planning. I'd really like to finish working, yep. Owen. I don't want to work anymore. I don't know what I'm working towards. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to get there. Are these some of the questions or yep. some of the answers you're typically given when you're speaking to particularly tradies about how they're going to get to that point in their life where they're able to retire? Absolutely. It, it, it really comes down to a few different issues. Probably, um, you know, the dollars and cents is a, is a part of it, but the other part of it is a, a lifestyle decision too because, as you can imagine, um, as we get older, we get a bit set in our ways. So it's do you have enough? Do you have enough money, firstly? And I help people look at that and project okay, this is the pot of money you have from be it superannuation, sale of your business. So we help them with succession planning and give some tips on that. Uh, their non-super assets, their investment property. We do the numbers and say, based on you wanting to retire within three years and wanting this kind of lifestyle, what's it going to look like versus if you work for another couple of years, what does it look like? Or if you tighten the belt and reduce, instead of a champagne, a beer budget, what does that look like? So that's the dollars and cents that we really help people with, but a lot of it's those getting to know your client rules and just that conversation about what does retirement look like for you? Because when someone retires, they have they become like their parents who have retired overnight. And mm. I always say, when you retire, you look in the mirror. You're not an elderly person who goes to the RSL once a week and that's it. You're only a day older. So, um, you know, you probably have 
the same amount of hair or lack of hair. Um, <laughs> and fishing, some people, if you like fishing two days a week, you probably do it two days a week. People have a vision that they're going to go play golf five days a week and the feedback you get from them is I'm just playing with other retirees and all they talk about is I'm and it's boring. The other aspect is getting, particularly the ones who are coupled, getting them in and that's sometimes the first time they've shared a conversation with a third party or even between themselves or what they want to do when they retire. Like I'll go, okay, so you're currently living on this much a year, 80 grand or whatever it is when you look at their take-home pay and what they say the dollars and cents that might be 60 grand a year or 70 grand you've done a budget and you think you live on 40 what's going to change mm. and one of them will go oh we're doing a lot of but that's going to finish in retirement and then the other spouse goes uh no we're still going to travel mm. so or no i don't want to live here i want to move to bribe island and it's it's surprising how often that's the first time they're having that conversation so Sometimes I almost feel like I'm a, a default relationship counsellor, particularly <laughs> with couples. The other thing is retirement is like, do you have enough money? I and mean, we help them with that. But have have you had enough of work? Mm. What are you going to do if you're not working? And um, some spouses, uh, particularly if the guy's just been on the tools his whole life and uh, and the um, or the wife or the partner's been helping him with the and, 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 and the business or raising the kids or doing other things and doing other jobs. Um, he's home 24-7 and he's saying, why don't we go grocery shopping on a Wednesday? Tuesday's better to do it. Or why don't you do this? And she's just like, you haven't winced about this in five years. So a lot of people go back and if they've sold their business or tradie, they end up going and working for their brother or whatever three days a week because... <laughs> Got to get out of the house. Maybe <laughs> And them all the time, yeah, and 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 it's like, say, do you have enough? And have you had enough of work? Has work had enough of you? If you're an employee or running your own <laughs> business, and, and, and and will your um, if you've got a better half, will they um, can they stand the seat aside of you? Can you stand the seat aside of them? So yeah, yeah, and and I'm pretty, I I, I like to have those conversations with them quite early before totally getting into the dollars and cents because, you know, as, as you know, and I know your previous background was as a planner too, money is just fuel to fund your lifestyle. Mm. And some people can quite comfortably live on 40 grand a year in retirement. And some people struggle to live on 80 grand a year in retirement. Mm. And so so it's, it's really delving into those lifestyle decisions first because I go, what does the average person need to retire? And I went, well, the average is just everyone jammed in together and no one is average, you yeah. know, so... So they're the kind of conversations that you like to have with people. It's the same as, I suppose, when you're giving them um, growing their business. Why do they want to grow their business? To make more money. And, you know, the business coaching you do is, yeah, but what does that look like? Oh, because I, I, I want to automate it so I can spend more time with my kids or my elderly parents or ski in Queenstown three weeks a year. You know, so a lot of it is those, those, where they're being fairly about what does that look like for you? What is the money for? Mm. And and some people have their capital to go down in retirement. So they want enough capital that they're only most of the time with an average market return, they're maintaining their base. So their obsession is leaving as much to the kids as possible. Mm. My attitude is, but the kids are going to get a house anyway that they can fly within two years without paying capital gains tax. So why is that an issue? Whereas other people go, look, my goal is to 
my last bowl of the day before I could end up in a pine box. So it's a surprising, you can have two people, they're fact fine for whatever better of a term, like their financials are identical or very similar, their business is valued very similar, but they've got totally different, what does retirement look like for them? Mm. Yep, yep. I think so, uh, when we're talking retirement, we're thinking about being really old, Owen. I, you know, I, I'm i 43. Let's put it out there. You're pretty old. Yeah, thank you. And I think, oh, You're retirement. Yep. Say something nice now. That would yep. be lovely. I'm, I'm, I thought you'd be 33. I'm, 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 I, well I'm done. I'm, I'm 43 myself. <laughs> so, actually, yeah. So, it's a good time I, I thought I'd have less hair by now, so I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a, it's a great time. I thought my hair would be yeah. darker, but uh, anyway, that didn't work out either. <laughs> but I, I think it's yeah. sort of, you know, maybe at 40 I started thinking, oh, you know, one of these days, not too far away, maybe 15, 20 years, I don't think I want to work anymore. But I haven't really thought about it before now. It was just something old people did. Whereas Retire. I think, yeah, and Absolutely. you don't think about planning for retirement. So I guess the point I'm trying to get to is when should we start thinking about planning for retirement? Probably, without being too hokum about it, when you get your first full-time job, mm. um, it goes by really quickly, like, okay, so we're all early, mid-40s, so I'll be generous there perhaps, <laughs> particularly on myself. Um, <laughs> like, I don't, in my head, I still think I'm 21 years old right. until I hang out with 21-year-olds, obviously. But yeah. uh, I, life goes by really quick and you think how the last quick, the last 20 years have gone by and another 17 years' time, I'll be 60 as well. So the earlier, the better. And basic is obviously making sure you don't have five or six superannuation funds floating around the place. Mm. Uh, I remember my colleague, uh, Anne Kemp, about 12 months ago, she admitted that when she first met her husband, he was in that situation. He was a tradie with about six different funds. So making sure that you actually know what your net worth is first, what your starting point is, um, and what you don't have to have, and I've got to be careful because I said this, uh, I used to give advice to a lot of engineers and I recently made a joke about engineers in a seminar thinking it was a room full of tradies and there was two engineers in the room and <laughs> uh, they wiped out of their head and they knew exactly what I was talking about. Yeah, but yeah. So an engineer will basically plan their retirement early on and say, yep, I've, I've only got items listed and I've got that index with inflation of what I'll spend in retirement. And I'm like, yeah, that's not life. Life isn't in a linear passion, uh, linear fashion. Things change. But so I suppose what I look at is big picture. What was their parents' retirement like? Is that something they want to do? And most of them go, oh, hell no. Dad had retirement forced on him because of health or um, I don't know the stories you've shared on as well about you know work their guts out for nothing so it's it's good to plan for it earlier rather than later and that doesn't mean you work out exactly how much you'll think you'll need to live on a retirement but it's like going let's make sure the superannuation's consolidated as best as possible let's make sure i'm in an appropriate super fund um be it bus queue or whoever else because at skylight we're built by BusQ, but we take a product agnostic view because as a financial planner, I have a higher duty of care than just one product. So we probably naturally have a bias towards predominantly industry funds because the numbers do stack up, but there is some good retail funds out there as well. But also make sure that um, 
they're balancing living for now versus living for later as well. Mm. Some people live for later their whole life mm. and they and they live very miserly or frugally and they struggle to enjoy retirement because they've been miserly their whole life. They're at one extreme mm. and you know, like shaking and going, you're going to die one day, like enjoy it. Other people totally live for now and never think of the future and it's about getting that balance right and they're the conversations I have with people. And there is a myth currently still of the million-dollar retirement um, that's been flogged by planners for a long time. So they, you know, this is the problem, but have I got the solution for you? And all the research we've done for people now, particularly because, you know, a lot of people retiring, about seven out of ten of them will still get some level of Centrelink support during their life. Uh, when they retire during their retirement life it's not something if you can get it like you don't spend all your money to get it but if you're going to get it anyway it's something to factor in people don't need a million dollars to retire at the moment our generation will need more because there'll probably be less settling support but yeah. if you've got someone in late 50s in their 60s now the, the million dollar retirement is a myth if you've got a million dollars right either better because it buys you a better level of retirement and dignity and less worries in theory, or they more money, more problems for a lot of people, mm. but it's, it's about getting that balance right. So, oh, sorry, that was a really long winded uh, answer. Probably from day one is a good way to have it, and that doesn't mean firstly make sure you got you know who you, what your super fund is. Make sure you've got an appropriate super fund. Make sure you've got the correct investment mix. So, the younger you are, traditionally, generally speaking, so obviously. I'm, required to say everything I'm talking about today is high level and general advice and doesn't sure. take into account your circumstances. But generally speaking, the younger you are, a more aggressive investment option for your superannuation is appropriate because you can write out the good, the bad and the other mm. and review that over time. And then don't look at the markets every day with your superannuation. If you're 43 years old or 33 years old or 23 years old, you are going to have some really bad years with markets but you're going to have some fantastic years and your average return will be higher if you take a more aggressive stance over the long term. So that's the other point is um, getting a handle of your cash flow. That doesn't just suit you for retirement, but that suits you for now as well because if uh, most people don't have uh, differences with tradies and any self-employed people when they're starting their business, but over time most people know we don't have too much of an income problem once they're established, they have an expenditure problem. So getting an idea of where your leakage of your expenditures are, because when you retire, your lifestyle for that honeymoon phase of retirement, your first five or seven years isn't radically different. Mm. Over time, you spend less money and so forth. So, But if the more you can understand your cash flow now, the better because that gives you an indication of what it might look like particularly during the retirement, and that, that that sort of does a bit of homework for us too. Then we can do projections and modelling and do all the financial geek stuff, but it's, it's, it's all about you, about what retirement looks like for you. On retirement uh, for me, or I'm just going to put it out there and say it's for a friend. <laughs> Asking for a friend. I, I'm going to ask for a friend, friend. or the, friend. the thousands yeah. of friends that we talk to very frequently who are mid-40s and they've been tradies all their life and they've got no super. Are they ever going to be able to retire? Probably. Uh, probably because superannuation 
isn't the only solution to retirement. And I understand a lot of people are running their business, they see their business as a, as their superannuation or nest egg for one of a better term. Um, the important thing they need to do is understand if their business is actually a sellable asset, like if their goodwill, well, it's not just their plants and stuff that depreciates over time, or their factory if they own it, which will go up, but their goodwill of their business, their, their revenue, is that uh, something they have that they're able to buy, find a buyer for that for a multiple of that income. So that that's important. Early on, superannuation isn't as important from because they're sinking everything into their business. But if they're still doing that in 10 years time of having the business, you'd, you'd question what are they working into in their business for when they could be working for someone else and getting nine and a half percent of their gross paid into sometimes just project going if you stay on this path this is what it's going to look like and it's it's having those tough conversations like someone going to the doctor in their early mid 40s saying mate you're quite uh, festively pumped for one of a better term you've got high <laughs> blood pressure your dad heart attack your mother's had this if you keep going on this path that's what that's going to look like. money's no different and it's so it's about having those tough conversations early so with correct guidance and advice and them meeting halfway and taking some decisions, most people can retire and they don't need a million dollars, but some people overvalue how much they think their business is worth. So that's why we'll work with their accountant and so forth to do that. And my colleague Antonio will also talk about having like a life raft for your business, which is the insurance, it's the key person insurance, the buy-sell agreements. So if the proverbial does hit the fan that they're not trying to flog a business um, at a garage sale price. Yeah. So, so we like to – so we always start with their baseline first. It's a bit like, I suppose, again, Waza did stalk you a little bit online. You do CrossFit. It's it's not about you can bench now or, or how many burpees you can do now, but like as in compared to everyone else, but what's your starting point? How many – like – what can you do today? What would you like to get to? And then just improving every year and not comparing yourself with other people. So that's the biggest problem with societies. People, oh, what's my super balance look like to the average person? And I go, well, it doesn't matter. That's not that's different. Mm. Yeah, comparison's a killer of all joy. Yep. So to, to answer your question, um, uh, Miguel, it's basically, it's a bit at them early and having those um, tough conversations and, and sometimes they might need to go away and reflect and then six months later they'll go, I've taken some of those things on board. Um, it's like any other goal you work for. There's no such thing as perfection. It's it's what are, you, what are the top three things that person can do put them in a better position rather than going, I need to do these 30 things because the barefoot investor said it was a good idea. And by the way, that's a damn and that's a starting point for a lot of people. So he didn't at all. I actually gave that to my missus because it's hard to explain to you, uh, your own spouse what you do and for them to listen to you regardless of what they do. And then she circled back going, oh, this cash flow thing and super. And I went, yeah, I talk to people about that every day, but you need to get that from the <laughs> I bet you love Scott Pope, mate. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, look, 
a lot of his stuff's general pretty sound advice. Like I like the fact that he doesn't flog a product most of the time, and it's fairly um, it's cash flow driven too. Like he's not saying, "Oh, you should go buy Bitcoin or ostrich farms or whatever." It's like, no, you look at where you are first, and yeah. You keep it simple, and you got to do that with tradies. And it's not the tradies are simple. Tradies are smart people. I can't. I don't have the skill set to do all the stuff they do, mm. um, and they wear a lot of liability. Being, uh, being a carpenter, being an electrician, but they just need it simple because they work their guts out every day. They go home. They just need something that's implementable. Mm. Yeah. And the problem with this is they try to make it all too hard, so they go. Oh, mate, I'll just hand it all over to you. And whereas I like to walk with people on that because, you know, um, I could drop dead, I could retire, I could do something else. They need to – I like to self-educate some. Yeah. Mm. And and not to yeah. take away from your expertise or anything, Owen, but retirement planning is not as complicated as it's made out to be. And you've, you've already made that point. Um, yeah. Well, it doesn't have to be as complicated as it's made out to be. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. And in actual yeah. fact, I think some of the best. There's a lot about it. Um, yeah, I think some of the best retirement plans are fairly straightforward. Um, for most of us, you know, mo- most of our listeners yeah. are small to medium business owners. They work hard in their business a lot yeah. of the time. Um, and I want to ask you a question yeah. about uh, some of the the big maybe misconceptions or mistakes that people make in planning for retirement. Um, but, you know, it's yep. it's it's as simple as, uh, as you you know, we sort of tip the hat to, to Scott, the barefoot investor, is, you know, keep the expenditure under control, keep the cash flow healthy, um, skim a bit off the top and stick it somewhere sensible, and that's where, you know, a good planner comes into play. Um, do that, rinse, repeat for long Absolutely. enough, and you'll have a friggin' fund that you can you can actually live off. Absolutely, a- absolutely. And so we, what I like to do is um, when I conversation with someone about that and explain, and we do this at the seminars as well, we'll draw like a funnel and say, okay, out of that, the bottom line of the funnel, you can you need to live. So some of that might be your rental income, some of that might be once you get to age pension age, some age pension because the age pension asset test, despite what you read in the media, is still somewhat generous. Again, it's not something we'd necessarily aim for, but if you've got 60s now, you'd be surprised even if they don't jag it when they retire. They might jag it five years down the track. There's superannuation. We just go, these are all the things that will feed into the funnel to get you what you need to achieve. And so we just work back from there. And, yeah, you've got to keep it simple because there is a lot of artificial demand there, and a lot of that is about trying to make it that complicated that to sell a massive fee or to flog them a product that they mightn't necessarily need. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I, I totally agree. It's just that I find it becomes complex just because there's a lot of myths out there and, and one of the myths is the million-dollar retirement. The other myth is that the rule book for superannuation, the rule book for tax, and the rule book for Centrelink are all the same, and they're all different rule books. There's a little bit of overlap. It's like the difference between rugby league and rugby union. There's overlap, but they're two different rule books. So we just like to demystify a lot of that stuff. Mm-hmm. People think superannuation is the government's money. They get their stickies on if, if, if they 
end up uh, in the hole. It's not. It's that person's asset just held within a tax structure. So it's just a lot of – we spend a lot of time demystifying a lot of that stuff first. And I suppose that's the beauty of Scott Pape's book as well, that he does keep it simple and demystify it. And, and that's why, I, again, I gave it to my spouse to read the game. <laughs> Look, me having a conversation on the couch – on a Friday night in during the NRL ad break um, <laughs> while I'm watching the Cowboys have probably isn't the best if you can read this, honey, and then we can have a chat about anything you want me to confirm. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. yeah, so it's even yeah, simple well, the funny, to a large extent. The, the funny thing in my house, because um, my wife read Barefoot Investor and uh, my wife and I got together uh, a lot of years after I left financial planning and so she knew that I'd been a planner and I had my own firm but I don't think that really you know made sense to her and so she was encouraging me strongly to, <laughs> to read The Barefoot Investor I'm like I kind of know everything that's in that book honey if we just do this we'll be fine um, but yeah. it, but and whether it's Scott's book or anybody else's and I said you know yeah. I would suggest that it's actually both um, spouses, if, if that's the scenario, going and speaking to someone like you, Owen, um, so yeah. that both people are on the same page with the same strategy Absolutely. and the same ideas. Mm. And that's really, Absolutely. you know, that's been great in, in my house because mm. I was like, all right, I'll read the bloody book. Um, and I read the book and I went, yeah, okay, there's a couple of good ideas in here, but we're on the same page now. I mean, I knew the stuff, but, yeah. you know, I knew what I knew and, and my wife knew what she knew from the book and it just actually created some common understanding about how we're going to manage our cash flow and how we're going to save for retirement. Absolutely. So that, that, yeah, that book is a tool to get people on the same page. I see myself as, I shouldn't call myself a tool, as a, <laughs> a, uh, as, as a, as a way to be on the same page as well. Yeah. Um, um, to, again, it's not just about the dollars and cents, but it's a lot of the, comp, like, at first deployment, um, I'm a big chatter, but most of the conversation is I try to get them to do the majority of the talking first and I just ask questions about, yeah, there's the money, but what is the money for? What does retirement look like for you? Where do you want to live? Mm. Um, all of that stuff first because that's your objectives and then you move backwards from there and then say, out of all those objectives, what are your priorities? And the thing is, for a lot of people, it doesn't have to be that complicated it's just that there's a lot of white noise out there, so they feel it has to be. Mm. Uh, I suppose that's why BusQ itself years ago brought financial advice in-house because there was a lot of members getting, for want of a better term, ripped off by other planners that didn't have their best interests at heart and Bus being an industry fund and having that partial care for its members um, and being a, a small to medium-sized fund, so knowing their members reasonably intimately, uh, did that, and then they built Skylight, um, and I've been with the organisation for three years, to to show people that, yeah, we give advice can be as narrow, as broad as you like, and it, you don't have to be a BusQ member. I've got clients that have no association with BusQ at all, but they've been referred by their friends and family, mm. and I've given them retirement they might not have never actually become BusQ members at all, but because we're agnostic and fee-for-service, we've, we've added value situation. And, and because we aren't, we don't have, um, we're here to cover our costs rather than make a massive return on capital, we typically charge significantly less than what other planners 
charge. Um, and because we're agnostic and fee for service, we don't go, oh, you should be in this fund or this fund or this fund. So yeah. Yeah. because look, there's a lot of good funds out there, mm. as there is a lot of good investments, a lot of good insurers and so forth. So um, it's just, yeah, it, it just, yeah, I, I would I would agree. I wouldn't take any umbrage with that at all. It, it does not have to be that complicated. But a lot of what we do is unpackage a lot of that stuff first. Because this is so, the problem is we have in society so much information, but not much uh, knowledge or wisdom. I think we're just a little bit, you know, mm. so much white noise. Mm. Mm. So I, wa- I wanted to ask, Owen, uh, about some of the things that stop people from actually taking care of their retirement planning, whatever stage of life they're in. You know, you've mentioned the the million-dollar myth. Um, what are some of the other things that you see that, that really get in the way of people seeking advice from someone like you? Um, it's a bit like, I suppose, very similar to what you do. Um, I, I like the analogy of, you know, there's the below-the-line stuff, which is business as usual, getting the kids to school, the business, invoicing those people, getting that job done, you know, um, as if you're a painter or doing the wiring, if you're an electrician or laying the foundation, if you're a concreter, that business as usual stuff that we do, human human doings rather than human beings, I suppose, and there's the above-the-line stuff like taking up CrossFit or planning for that holiday or just stepping out of your comfort zone and going, what, do, what am I living for? What do I really want to do? So to be honest, I think a lot of it, and some people say, so I think that's a little bit unfair because people are quite busy these days, both spouses working, kids doing a lot more sport and a lot more stuff than, you know, when I was a kid and, and that kind of stuff. Um, that people just – and they never see themselves as an old person. In their 20s, they see a 40-year-old as old. Mm. Someone's 40, they see a old. So they don't see themselves in that situation. So I think a lot of it is people just focus on business as usual. And, and, and doctors say they see the same with health. You probably see the same when you're giving uh, business advice as well. They just they're hamsters on the wheel, and they need to give themselves permission to just to step away, take a day off, and go. We're going to go see a financial planner. I'm going to go see the doctor for that health check, estate um, check, because you know I've got a family history of it, and I've hit fifty. You know mm. all of those things, and it's they're no different. They're, they're, they're the same, and that the other thing I see is embarrassment. Some people are embarrassed about their finances. People in intimate conversation talking about your money because there's a lot of um, maybe shame or just uncomfortableness and talking about your your assets, what you earn, where you're at, the dis- decisions you made that might not have been. There's a lot of embarrassment about that. Like a lot of people may be more likely to, probably not a lot of blokes, but I'll a lot of ladies, I suppose, are more likely to go to a doctor about mm. things than talk about their money. You guys just don't talk about or share that much at all in society. So I think there's a reluctance and, and they just sort of don't see that as them. Do that next year, I'll do that next year. Oh, I'm only 27, I'm only 37, I'm only 43. They, they, it's just a reluctance. And they also, there's another thing they go, I don't need to go get advice because I don't have much money to start with. And yeah. But, but you've got to start somewhere. Yep. Mm. Yep. Uh, a long-winded explanation, but to me it's it, to me it's about they just focus on the day-to-day activities rather than planning for the future, be it their health, their money, their 
other goals and aspirations they've got and a lot of it's just embarrassment. Mm. Mm. And a lot of people I don't have much money. I think I'm wasting your time. I'm like, no, it, what you have is a lot of money to you that's important to you, be it 50000 in super, 10000 in super or a million dollars in super. Like it's that's that's important to you and you've built it yourself. So, yeah, a lot of people it's just um, – we all get in our own way. Mm. I know I do with a lot of us. Yeah, yeah. I'm just – and Warwick's throwing back to me now. He's being really nasty today. <laughs> he's, he's not talking at all. He's letting you do all the talking today. Yeah, this but... is great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We love guests that are happy to have a Anyone chat. Anyone who this podcast who knows me would say that's just – I'm interested. So if I think about the tradies that I have in my life, most of them are frightened, as we just spoke about. They have a fear about going to a financial planner because they don't understand what actually happens when they come to see you. So can you take us through what it is that you do? I'm coming to see you for the first time. What are we going to do? To explain that, it's effectively first appointment is – we just get to know their situation and they just get to know me to see if they're comfortable, if I'm going to be a good fit for them as well, if they're comfortable talking to me about, you know, their financial situation, which is quite personal and intimate. Um, we talk about services and so forth. Well, we don't really have products, so to speak, but our services, how we can help. But I like to really focus on where they're at first and what they'd like to achieve. And, even if they've only got a, a really charcoal drawing of, I'm back, I think I might like to do this, we just have a conversation about that first. I could talk about we don't charge anything for initial con- consultation because we don't think that is fair because they might not think I'm a good fit or they might feel that they're at the stage where they need it. They just might want some things demystified. So we sit down, we have a conversation, we get to know. I get them to do most of the talking early on. I ask a lot of questions. Normally, they'll, if, uh, if they're a couple, um, some of them are quite interesting conversations because <laughs> they, often they're on the same page in largely what they want to do, often, sometimes not, but it's strategies to achieve that, what path to take. So we do all of that. After the initial consultation, Near the end, I'll go, look, these are the kind of things that I can do for you. Um, so we look at after doing their goals and objectives, we scope. These are the areas I believe I can add value on and broadly how. Then if they're comfortable um, engaging with my services, we would um, get them to fo- sign a fee declaration. And if they're not ready for that, that's okay. Uh, but we do things in a quite an inoffensive way and, and we are quite competitive what we charge compared to um like your hyper-commercially-based organisations, most people take that offer up, and if they don't, that's okay because they might have some homework to go away and think about more what they want to achieve, mm. so I'll give them some homework. Then I'll do Once I've done the uh, the financial payment of advice is what it's obligated to be called now legally, that'll go to them, they'll read that, and then I'll get them back in to present that face-to-face as well. But I like for them to read it first for have a week or two to read it, now, that doesn't necessarily um, mean that they have the meeting, they're happy with everything, and then I do the plan. Often, while I'm in the trenches, so to speak, doing the plan for them, I, I sort of flag with them that I might ring you a few times because some things are only apparent as you're working on it. Mm. 
um, because everyone's situation is a little bit unique or I'll go, oh, maybe I should have asked a question about that. And so I like to do it a bit thoroughly, maybe slower than some people, but I sort of think it has to be tailored to them. And, um, and, and was, as you say, it doesn't have to be rocket science, but it has to just be what is uh, in their best interest. Mm. So first appointment, you just have a um, and, and largely I get to know them to see how I can help. And there's some people that I've had the appointment with them and I went, you know, look, I think largely you're doing pretty much everything right and you're not ready yet to probably need that. But once you've done A, B and C, come back and see me. So some people might come and go, we've read barefoot or we've done this or we've done that and we've got a whole lot of debt and we're just smashing it at the moment and we've got the income but we've got this credit card and this personal loan and we're looking at maybe investing money and doing stuff and I'll go, you know what, you're probably right just to smash that debt first, Thirty credit card or a 14% personal loan. I don't know why they're still 14% when you're home loan you get the three and a half but all of those things. And I'll, I'll say, look, for me to do anything else, I'd be flogging something you don't need. Once you're on that, why don't you touch base with me in six months and then we can look at these other strategies. And and that way they're going, oh, okay. And sometimes you just need validation if they're on the right track. Yes. Um, but some value I can offer to most people. Mm. And it, as I said, it doesn't have to be. So we can do advice very simple on armor and the correct, correct investment option for my super or correct combination to the full-blown plan. Mm-hmm. And one of the other aspects of planning that we myself uh, and my colleague uh, Hugh Keenan here, uh, what we call um, accredited aged care practitioners as well, um, in terms of aged care advice and how to structure everything for aged care and demystifying aged care. It's, it's Unfortunately, there'll be a tsunami of baby boomers going through that system in the next 20 years, and we're finding the baby boomers are coming to us about their parents mm-hmm. and... Um, generation 20 years seeking advice about air parents mm. and so all of that is first conversation they're having with someone about this is with their siblings or their spouse in a doctor's car park and going ah uh, mum's had a t- dementia the doctor says she can't return home finding an aged care facility how do we fund this what the hell's the rad what's the dap what's the fees how do, how do we get all the money together? And, and that's the kind of stuff we help people with too. So the advice can be as complex as that or should I consolidate my super funds and what investment options should I be in? Or um, what should I do? Should I throw more money on the credit card or throw more money in my super? Well, generally, if someone's got a big, dirty credit card debt, it's a no-brainer to knock that on the head because... You know, they charge the same as um, your Tony Sopranos in terms of interest rates. So, <laughs> I'm going. so yeah. true. So true. So, so I'm interested so, to know, should we so have we an have ongoing t- relationship yeah. with you, Owen? Is it with, once we've come and we've seen a financial planner, it's an ongoing yeah. relationship, isn't it? It is. So we believe that every um, 12 months or so, depending on your situation, is a good time to swing back. Or if something major has happened in your circumstances. So if you've got someone, they might need to see us every 12 months. Depends on their situation. If you've got someone where we've just set them up for, say, the first home super saver scheme where people can save money 
within their super. It's one of the rare things those who can use their super for to get it before their retirement so they can set up their super under certain circumstances to accumulate for a deposit for their first home. That's the kind of stuff that we'd want to see them when we got them on the path, maybe have a conversation 12 months time to see how that's going for them cash flow wise and then see them when they've got an adequate deposit to buy a home. Other people um, like the uh, retirement advice, uh, they might be, they might need a review every 18 months or every two years or when the legislation changes. But it, it, it's on a sort of you know, basis. But often I like to, even if it's a 20-minute conversation with someone on the phone every 12 months, to getting someone in and having an hour and a half appointment, depending on their situation. But, yeah, that ongoing relationship really helps because the thing is the government can't help themselves. They do change the rules, not just on super. Everyone picks on super, but on tax, on family trust structures, if they're running a business structures or corporate tax rates or um, all of those different things and they need just that touchstone. So sometimes that's a quick review, sometimes that's a more in-depth review. They might have won lotto, they might have separated with their spouse um, because they weren't on the same page with their retirement plans and <laughs> what their retirement's going to look like and it's not with their partner. They're all those kind of things, yeah. So an ongoing relationship makes sense. It's not something we force down people's throat at Skylight because we try to differentiate ourselves with the market and we don't people people on a ongoing review fee platform where they, you sign in blood and that's it because we have a huge issue with the Royal Commission, how it, not with the Royal Commission, but what the Royal Commission uncovered about fees for no service. So we don't believe in charging people until we're actually going to offer them value. So it's a user pay system. Mm. I think it's an important point of distinction, actually. I, I, I guess we've all heard the horror stories, but to know that you're paying for what you get is a really important distinction, especially for tradies. We all know the value of how hard we work and we want to work with Absolutely. people that are prepared to work hard with us and charge us appropriately. Absolutely. So we work on a, a – it's a fixed fee based on an early rate. So it's, it's quite similar to the way a tradie would – I try to – as in, when I got my bathroom retiled a couple of years ago, um, I it was more complicated than I thought because you know you had to bring in other people to do the shower door and all this stuff. Just how ignorant I am about this stuff. So you're not just dealing with the tradie, but um, doing the tile of it. Effectively, the way I looked at it was, they said this is what materials will cost roughly. This is how long it'll cost. The it will be this, and if they went over in time to do the tiles, they're not going to charge me another. $500 or 1000 or 2000 and if they get it done quicker and do a good job and the waterproofing's good, they're still going to charge me that. It's based on how long they think it'll last, based on their business intelligence, their previous experience and so forth. And we work the same as an advisor. So after I get to know someone's situation, reflect on this advice for the scope that you're after, and I believe I can add value on the fee will be X, Y, Z. Mm. So, and if for some reason... I might have misquoted that occasionally or whatever. It's on me. So whereas when you have someone who either takes a, a trailing commission, their obligation is to do it as quick as possible because they're going to get a drink regardless and not to keep servicing them because they'll, they're going to get a drink regardless if they service them or not. And when you're doing it at an hourly rate and not uh, bagging lawyers or anything um, because some lawyers do fix it well, we use a couple of estate planning solicitors and they do it 
on a fixed fee basis as well, which I love. So, but um, when you do it on an early rate, sometimes there is an incentive I can see, particularly with accounting. Some accountants, some majority are pretty good. They drag, they can tend to drag it out. Yeah. You know, almost like on a building site, I go slow water. So that's why we like that fixed fee um, as well. So we'll review fees from time to time based on our experience on actually, no, this actually takes this long or blah, blah, blah. But you, people aren't obligated until they get to know the and they sign that declaration. And if that's something they want to have a think about first, no skin off my teeth as well. And I find that approach works well because you're not forcing something down their throat. Mm. Majority of members try to clients to deal with are still either bus queue members or if they're not, they're still in the building and construction industries. So, and they like that fixed approach because as I said, that's the way they probably do the tiling in the bathroom or that's the way they do a kitchen refit out or, you know, both people are on the same page and they get, they're knowing what they're getting. Mm. You really so, are throwing this to me today, Warwick. <laughs> we get to a pause, a natural pause in the conversation. He looks at me like, okay, she'll and, do it. And Cox is right. used to me jumping in as yeah. soon as you draw breath. I'm in there with another question. So it's uh, the way it normally goes, but not I, today. He's really I just, I just wanted to pill. ask the thousand drapes question. Please. Ask away, Wells. Yeah. I think we're well, ready. Well, it's, uh, I, th- I thought we might put a bow on it, Owen, and uh, and get to the pointy end of the whole gig. And part of that is is me asking my favourite question, which is, if you had a thousand tradies in a room, uh, it'd be pretty hot and sweaty. But um, if you had a thousand tradies in a room, uh, what's one piece of advice or word of wisdom or something you would like to leave them with? Great question. Ask what the money's for. What are they? What are they working for? Are they working just because that's what their dad did and that's what they've always done themselves and that's all they know or what is their end game for slaving their guts out mm. and mm. seek advice to see if they're achieving that and also are they protecting that and I know I'll talk about insurances more but do they have a, 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 enough cash reserve do they have their business valued just what is the money for like yeah. wh- wh- why are they be no different than someone who's worked as in a pay-as-you-go job for 20 years. What is the money for? Like, yeah, what is your motivation for being out of every day? Yeah, you enjoy it, but what is your end game? Because none of us get out of this alive, and it's worthwhile looking at uh, what is it you want to achieve. Mm-hmm. Because as you know, you blink your eye, and all of a sudden you're 10 years older, and Unfortunately, it's it's a probably even more critical conversation to have with tradies because, um, you know, pre- governments say, oh, people can work until they're 70 now. Well, have they ever met someone who's done work their whole life? Like I can, but people have done physical work their whole life. Particularly people in the building and construction industry, their bodies are had it by a certain age. And so they have to think, do I, if, do, should I be getting out and being less and running your own business and, and probably seeking advice from someone like yourself was helps as well. So shameless plug there, but, but effectively, <laughs> what is it for? What, what are they, what is the money for? Like, what is their end game? Mm. And so that, that advice is to reflect on that and everything else follows from that. It doesn't matter if I was my super with this fund or this fund or I'm in balance growth. Or they're details. And as I said, it's not rocket science, but 
what is it for? Yep. Great, mate. Yeah. Love it. It's not a technical it's, it's, it's a head game. Like, um, you know, like you don't want to get to the end of your working life and go, I hated that, my body's busted and I've got, I haven't got a brass to rub together. Mm. It's unfortunate. Seems Moment a bit time. pointless. Well, mate, uh, we will make sure all the links are in the show notes to Skylight and Buscu, of course. Yep. Uh, and is, is there any any important uh, links that, that people need to know about or somewhere they should go and visit to find out more? Yeah, look, our, our website is uh, skylight.com.au and it's got all the details of what the services that we can uh, provide to people in the building and construction industry and also the wider population. Great. It's also got uh, My Ugly Mug, mugs from the other different uh, planners who work within our organisation and a bit about us and our backgrounds. Um, and there's a lot of general tools and so forth. So there's a lot of information there. It talks about when our upcoming seminars are as well. And, um, and I suppose the main thing is that's a starting point. And if they want an appointment, feel free to give us a call. The uh, first appointment is always obligation free. And it's just a getting to know appointment. And, and we're all act in a quite a sort of friendly manner. So come in, have a chat, see what we can add value in your situation because um, it, only, it only costs you time to come in first. Um, and, yeah, so, again, that website, skylight.com.au, and they can book an appointment through the website as well. Awesome. Fantastic. Thank you, Arwen. Mate, uh Thanks for being on Thank the you. podcast. I hope we were gentle enough for you uh, <laughs> to pop your podcasting yeah, cherry, mate. Um, yeah, um, it was. Um, oh, I enjoyed it. It was. Uh, I, yeah, it was uh, nowhere near as intimidating as I thought it would be. So, yeah. <laughs> That's probably because Coxie Thank asked all the questions. <laughs> all right, mate. Well, thanks again for your time. <laughs> thanks, Owen. You've been listening to the Tradies and Business podcast with Warwick Bidwell and Nicole Cox. Find out more about today's guest, tools for your trade business and other cool stuff at tradiesandbusiness.com.au.